Stand with me this morning for the reading of God's Word. Psalm 145, turn in your Bible to Psalm 145. And I know I tell you this often, but maybe not often enough. Um, I just love the idea of being your pastor. And uh, I just love it. There's no part of being an under-shepherd here that I don't enjoy. And I just thank you for loving me and my family very much. Psalms 145, beginning with verse 14. The Lord upholdeth all that fall and raises up all that are bowed over or bowed down. The eyes of all wait upon you, Lord, and you give them their meat in due season. You open your hand and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. And the Lord is nigh, which means right up next to all them that call upon him and all that call upon him in truth. He will, not might, not maybe, not hope so, he will fulfill the desire of all who reverence him, who fear him. He will also hear their cry and save them. The Lord preserves all that love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. But as for me, my mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh, every living thing, bless his holy name forever. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. I want to give you context, read a few things to you, and then preach. It's not really a sermon this morning. It's just a message I believe I'm supposed to deliver uh, to you. In, in this chapter, before I got to the verses I read, David was uh, standing on the third groupings of his psalms. It was the last psalm most commentators believe that he personally wrote psalms of praise. This collection were the praise psalms from the Hebrew word talal. It was the only one that that Hebrew word where we get our hallelujah from was written above the top. David was saying, now for the title of this, hallelujah. He was standing on the end, uh, on the history of all that had happened before him, all that he made it through, all that he made it over, the dark places, the dry places, the valley places, the years of opposition. And he was going to give context about how he had determined in his life that as for him, he was going to bless the Lord with his mouth, with his words, and focus upon the great deeds that God has done, not only for him, but in the earth. Before he gives a word to us, he gives a word about himself. Now let me just read this to you. You can follow along, if you will, in verse 1. There was the pledge of praise. He said, I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever. What he was saying is, you can count on me. Praise awaits you in the Zion of my heart. 
I will always, I have set my face to be one, like Pastor Ken said, to thank you for what you've done, to believe in what you're going to do. My lips will not be silent. I'm not hiding behind the idea that I'm a quiet personality. It doesn't matter that I'm quiet or not. Even the trees of the field clap their hands and bless the Lord. Rocks cry out. And so as for me, I will step over my quiet nature and open my voice and say, God is great and greatly to be praised. God is great. There is the practice of praise. Every day I will bless you. Every day I will bless you. The dark days, the lonely days, the plateau days, the disappointing days, the, the, the hard days, the good days, uh, the, the days where I'm filled with busyness. I will purpose to include in those days shouts of praise, whispers of praise, a heart full of praise, but it must be vocalized. There is no thought praise. An unvocalized praise is only an opinion. And we're not to give the Lord's opinion, give Him opinions. We are supposed to articulate to Him and in the presence of others God's goodness and God's faithfulness. There's the perspective of praise. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. There's the perpetuity of praise. I love this. One generation will praise thy works to another and declare thy mighty acts. We are to tell our children so many stories about God. So many from the book and so many from the pages of our life. By the time we hand them the baton, they are indoctrinated. They know who God is. They know who God was. They know who God, who God will be. We pass it on. I want my children to have my faith that they might stand on and go higher. That they might stand on my faith and go further. I want them to know through experience and tell the stories so many times that they say, I know, Daddy, I know. Yeah, but you don't know. They wrote me off and God rescued me. I lost it all and God restored me. The doctors came in and gave me their report, and then God came in, looked at that report, decreed another report, healed my body, healed my mind. That's the Lord. They need to know our stories. I share with you in my 30s and 40s the stories of my father because he told them to me. He told me about his God. Now, we're not supposed to live solely based on mama's God and daddy's God and granny's God, but we are next in line. And don't you be the third or fourth person in line and get the baton and start dragging your feet when your parents and grandparents ran with all of their might. Let us therefore run our race, laying aside every weight and the sin which just so easily beset us. And let us run, let us run immediately, let us run wholeheartedly and pass it on to our kids. There's the presence of praise. David said, I'll speak of your glorious honor. Men shall speak of your terrible, wonderful acts. They'll declare your greatness. They'll abundantly utter the memory of your goodness and sing of your righteousness. There's the person of praise. It's, I love what Ken said again. It's unto the Lord who is gracious. It's unto the Lord that's full of compassion. He's the one slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. And finally, in my long introduction, there's the permanence of the praise. It said, all your works will praise you, O Lord. Your saints will bless you. They'll speak of the glory of your kingdom and of your power. 
They'll make known your mighty acts and the glorious majesty of your kingdom. Your kingdom is everlasting and your dominion endureth through all generations. Now whether David knew this would be the last in the groupings of the Hallelujah Psalms or not. Do you see how, and I labored through that, I wanted you to see that he was speaking from his life experiences. He put them in categories. But there were stories behind every one of them. When he said, wonderful works, mighty acts, great victories, great provision. And he grouped all that together to say, this is my story. So now having heard that, if you believe what I'm telling you, and some of you saw it happen in my life, then believe what I'm going to tell you about your life. And this morning, by the grace of God, just for a few moments, I want to share with you on the subject, the psalm you needed most is the one you hear today. Let's pray together. Lord, I just humble myself before you, and I uh, state publicly what you know that I know, that without your anointing, nothing. We might inspire like uh, someone on TV, we might motivate, but no change comes outside of your spirit and the digestion and application of your word. It doesn't happen. And so I'm asking you to anoint me this morning, Lord. Uh, make my uh, mouth like the, the tongue of a ready writer. Let it go forth uh, with clarity and unction and power. May we see with the eyes of the spirit so much it would just make us catch our breath and go, oh, that was for me. We don't need John to explain scripture. We need a word from heaven. And I'm asking that for the people here today, Lord. The whole sermon may not be for us, but there's something in here that you want us to know. And if we leave with that word, if we can leave saying, I got a word from the Lord, then the rest of this year, if you should tarry, will be ever different. And I just bless you for it, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Number one, and I'm going to go through these quickly. To the fallen, I still have you. Look at verse 14. Keep your Bible open. The Lord upholds all who have fallen. Whether you fell by your own choices, whether you fell under a load, whether you fell because of someone's actions or lack of actions, many people fall. But the promise from the Lord is, I still have you. Well, I don't feel you, but I've got you anyway. Others have declared that you've left me, but I have you anyway. I'm not sleeping well, Lord, but I have you anyway. My guilt is too much for me, Lord. Even though I've repented, it's, it, it keeps me up at night, but I still have you. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers us out of them all. The righteous falls seven times, the Bible said, and watch him. He'll get up again. How does he get up? It's not through his will. It's not through his character. It's not through his disposition. The Lord holds him. And I don't care how dark the skies are above you. The arms of God are even stronger under you. And underneath it are his everlasting arms. I got you. Underneath what? This! Whatever this is in your life, underneath it all, God has you. He has carved you in the palm of his hand. And who's going to take you out of God's hand? 
I'm asking you, who's going to take you out of God's hand? He said, I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you. And some of us are paying more attention to our fleeting, fickle feelings or the unkind words of some self-proclaimed false prophet. In the worst years of my life, I had someone stand right down here right before I preached and look me in the face and said, God has judged you and left you. It's all blowing away. Now, the problem with evil people is if anyone says anything evil about you or to you, some of it's true. <laughs> some of it's true. And you wonder, you say, well, I did. I failed there and I, I stumbled there and I, I, I broke my promise there. And they're right. Well, except for one thing. These self-proclaimed doomsayers, these ones that pronounce God's wrath, aren't God. They don't speak for him. And oh, one of my favorite things to tell you is God has the last say. And I may be everything you said I am. And I may have done everything you said I did. And I may be worse. But he still holds my life in his hands. He said, I got you. But I, I don't feel, got you anyway. Got you anyway. Number two. To those who can't walk straight up, your boat over, he said, I will raise you. Verse 14b, it said, and he raises up those who are bowed down. When life is too heavy, and it's too long, and it's too much, and it's too often, God does not ask you to fake strength. The fact that you're still going catches the eye of God. And he doesn't say, if you follow me, you won't bow over. He says, when you bow over, I'll raise you up. So if this is your posture today, here you are standing in the house of God and you're trying to worship and it's not as high as someone else. It's not as real as someone else. The promise hovers over you like dense fog. God is going to raise you up. Just hold on, baby. Don't, don't, don't be more aware of your posture than his position. Don't see your condition greater than you see his promises. If he said he's going to straighten you up, he will straighten you up. If he said he'll quicken you, he'll quicken you. These temporary, momentary afflictions are but for a moment. God raises, he's my glory and the lifter of my head. Mm, I feel like preaching up in here. And with a little help, I'll preach a fit up in this place this morning. How can you say that? Because I've been so depressed and so sad before that I truly could not function. And then somewhere, somehow, in some unexpected way, a song come on the radio or one just burst in my heart. And I felt his hand say, John, John, look up here. Oh, above the clouds, the sun is shining bright up there. And I may not be in it yet, but there's more to it than what I see. Sometimes you got to close your eyes to see. Close your eyes to everything else. And somebody said, you look horrible. Thank you. 
I'm worried about you. I'm worried about me too. <laughs> How are you doing? This is the... My soul is heavy. Soul is heavy. Well, what are you doing about it? I'm waiting on the Lord. And I know that I'm just a moment away. And the release is going to happen. And the yoke is going to fall off. And the sun will shine again. And my point is this. It is not important to change your circumstances. Just keep walking. If you just keep walking, you'll walk out of the storm. If you just keep walking, keep, whatever you do, don't quit. Keep moving. Keep going forward. Because the Lord is going to raise you up. Number three. To the one looking to God today, you're not alone. In verse 15 it says, The eyes of all wait on you. Everyone in nature. The animals, the birds, they all look to you for their substance. All eyes are on you. And when you feel like you're just waiting on God, understand that the whole world waits on God. Jesus said, consider the birds. Consider the lilies of the field. Consider the birds. Consider the birds. You ever seen a nervous bird? Can you imagine out in your yard, you got your blue jay, he's, for the love of God, for the love of, where are the worms, where's the, it's not coming, it's not coming. Now why would God, okay, you think I'm being vain, why would he put it in there? The world looks to you, and they are fed. Not by myself, I'm not looking to Egypt, I'm not looking to the world, I'm surely not looking to the government for my provision and my stuff. I'm putting my eyes on you. All my eggs are in your basket, Lord. So I'm not by myself. I'm the only one living like this. Here's the trick of the devil. You're the only one. Giving all you're giving and struggling financially. Loving all that you're loving and no one's loving back. You're the only one. Yeah. Isn't it horrible? Yeah. You get enough yes going... And they said, isn't God unfair? Yeah. Here's a scripture that will deliver. See, scripture gives you light. The Bible says that your temptation, the thing you're struggling with, is common to man. Mm -mm, mine is harder than anything that ever happened to anybody. Common. Don't it make you mad when they look at your struggles and your disappointments and they go, common. Even the horrible things. And I'm not making light of our sufferings. I'm trying to give you biblical perspective. Even if it's something that's supposed to bury you, it's common. It's common. So if it's a common trial, then there will be common grace. My eyes are on you. All you need to do is make sure your eyes are on the Lord. Hey, can I help you? N not unless the Lord sent you. And I'm not by myself. I'm not alone. And it, it makes us... With the knowledge that the whole world waits on God, it causes us not to close the door and pull the blinds and sing, nobody knows the trouble I've seen because everybody knows the trouble. As a matter of fact, everybody on your row, if you knew what had happened to them this last year, you'd have been kinder to them today. That's good. Number four, to the one waiting, everything is on schedule. It said you give them their meat in due season. You know, there's certain things in our walk with the Lord, and you probably can remember yours where there was a certain time frame where you got something or you, the revelation hit you. 
And it changed from then on because you could take that word and apply it to situations. Take the word you learned, apply it to the situation. When I understood that God has schedules, that changed my individual and ministerial life. And here's the verse he gave me when, I, when it dawned on me. It said, now when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth a man made of a woman born under the law that he might redeem them under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because we're sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. When the fullness of time had come, at just the planned moment, Mary's contraction started, the Christ was born, he was popped, he come to life, he wept, he cried, screamed out, and the Christ was born right on time. And when I realize that God has schedules for my life, it gives me the capacity to rest because I know there's nothing I can do to speed it up, but there's everything I can do to slow it down. So I just rest. My meat comes in due season. If it all come at once, it would rot. It comes in the due season. How many of you paid Georgia Power early? I just feel like paying you six months ahead. Praise the Lord. You, pray, you pay when it's due. Due season. The only people I know that want to pay early is that pregnant mama. She's ready. I remember a lady, I'm not going to call names, but she was staying with us. As a matter of fact, it was a single mama, and she was big as a, she was pregnant, real pregnant. I remember she put her little house coat on with a boomerang. But anyway, I'm teasing. It's just, the, it's a gift. It's a gift, sorry. And she walked over to my floor furnace, and she stood like this. I said, what are you doing? Just a straight face. She said, I'm cooking him out. <laughs> she's dead serious. No laugh. You know, I'm, I'm thinking she's thinking the water in the sack is going to start bubbling. Or I don't know. She said, I'm cooking him out. But outside of that, see, that had nothing to do with the sermon. Outside of that, we want stuff when it's due. Amazon Prime. I love me some Amazon Prime. And when they open up Amazon up here in uh, Hartley Bridge Road, you can get it same day, baby. Same day. Life is about to get good for us. We don't go out. Three kids? No, sir. Click. Thank you. Before long, we ain't going to ever have to leave our house except come to church. That's the way we're heading. But when it's due, we expect it. But we don't expect it before. So why won't you let God run his schedule instead of clicking on track package all the time? He said, I will give you the desire of your heart. I'm going to meet your need. I will give your meat in due season. And when it's time, listen, of course you wanted it earlier. We want it earlier. But when it's time, no devil in hell can hinder it one minute. Not one! If he decreed it, it's going to happen. At this time next year, the man of God told her, you're going to have a baby. And that time, that next year, that barren womb gave forth because God is faithful. Number five, to the one who is tempted to look elsewhere, God's capacity is immeasurable. 
Oh, in your weight, don't start looking to people. Don't start manipulating on Facebook, letting all your, you know, trying to make something happen. Don't do that. Listen to the verse. You open your hand and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. So every living thing on the earth, everything connected to the ecosystem, God provides with the opening of his hand. Now, where are you? Carved in the... So the provision is... Right on top of you. God openeth his hand and satisfies the need, excuse me, of everyone on the earth. Don't, don't help him. Just believe on it. It doesn't mean that we don't work. It doesn't mean that we don't educate ourselves. It doesn't mean that we don't strive to be better. But we look to God alone. Because when God decrees something over your life, it happens. Number six, to the one who is hurt or confused, there's more going on than meets the eye. Look at your Bible in verse 17. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. It's an assault to pride when nothing is working to say the Lord is righteous in his works. And the devil will say, if God's with you, then why this? And if God promised you, then why hasn't that happened? And he tells you the facts, but they're incomplete. The end of the righteous is well. Sometimes on the journey, if you look for your comfort, your satisfaction, uh, your agreement with how God is handling things, they don't match up. But the end of every righteous person is the envy of the nations. The envy of the nations. See, when we're struggling financially... And her family's struggling and the man can't do as much for his kids as he wants. And the mama longs to do better at Christmas for her kids. And there's lack and the devil goes, see, see. And there are people in the world that would give, wealthy people, give everything in their checkbook to have their little girl look at them like yours looks at you. To be able to eat their food and digest it. To go to bed with a guilt-free conscience. And we forget how rich we are. And we live in a self-imposed torment that is based on uh, miscalculations and non-factual realities. There's more going on here that meets the eye. If he's wonderful in all his works and your path is not wonderful, then he must be doing something you can't see. Do you know there's a lot of spiritual truth hidden in natural things? Like the grain of mustard seed, Jesus said. Just one grain of mustard seed. One of the smallest seeds can produce this great tree. And people say, if you had the faith of a grain of mustard seed, God's saying, oh, you need small faith. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying you need living faith. That little seed, that joker's alive. And if you have living faith, anything's possible. You see? And he wants us to know that the revelation that we have, that uh, there's more going on than I can see. One of the perfect things he gives you, an example of, is the gestation of a child. The seed of the man reaches the womb of the woman. The seed of the word of God hits your spirit. You're pregnant with the word. You believe it. And the longer you carry that word, the more uncomfortable you get. See these little parallels? 
can't, pregnant woman can't get comfortable. They'll roll this way and put a pillar here and put a, a recliner up three quarters away, you know, wedge in the bed. Well, you just, you're just not going to be comfortable till that which was deposited in you comes forth. And when it comes forth, the sorrow is washed away. God is working. And God will finish the work in your life. And even when you can't see it, this is my favorite line I wanted to share with you. Even when you can't see it, you can feel it kick. And by that I mean you're miserable, you're carrying the baby, you're miserable, you're miserable, you're miserable, can't sleep. You know, you're eating foot-long subways at one in the morning loaded with jalapenos. You pay the tab the whole next day, then you want a banana popsicle, and you know, you're right on top, you're mixing all the stuff together, and you're miserable, and then all of a sudden, and you forget everything. Baby, baby, come here. Come here. Put your hand right here. Not that right here. Right here. Hold it. Hold it. Wait, wait, wait. It's really there. And some of you have little moments like today and the Lord wants you to know that that little kick in your spirit is the evidence of the hidden thing that you're believing the Lord for. I had almost fainted, but I waited to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living and He does not give false hope. If He's given you a promise, that promise will kick. And if you feel that kick, that's just the evidence that it's not too long before the promise is born. When that baby's born, it looks a lot like you. It looks a lot like your journey. It looks a lot like your travail and a lot like your promise. And when you wait on something, compare that to this entitled generation. When you wait on something and it happens, oh, I'll go ahead and just tell you. I know there are people that have watched my journey from afar and up close and because I'm on stage. I'm no different than you. I'm just on stage. And they watched me in the beginning and you know I have these thoughts. I'm, I'm being very honest with you. I don't, I've never talked to anybody about this. It just came to my mind because I've had these thoughts before. When my little girls could walk and they would come in the sanctuary I'd always, whoever I was talking to, I just forgot you. I just, how many of you have been forgotten? Okay. That many, I'm sorry, I'm just talking to you. And I'll go, where's my baby? And they just run to me. And do you know that I know there are people who looked at that and he goes, they say, he's faking that. He, he, he's doing that because people are watching. And then they're two and a half, three and a half, four and a half, five and a half. And I've long forgot about your false judgments on my life because when the promise comes... And it's born. You don't see nothing else. That, see, it's not just that they're my girls. It's connected to God for me. And I hug them and I look to Him. I hug them and I look to Him. And there's people here today, I know it in my heart. You're thinking the uncomfortableness is God's abandonment of you. But what it is, it's the bringing forth of the very thing He promised you. And if you will just wait, you will see that promise come from inside of you. And it will look like you and it will be precious to you.
My babies are not precious because they're mine and Kelly. My babies are precious because they came from the Lord. And he promised her, and I got to watch it happen. Now, by faith, who is it in here? And I'm not going to ask you to stand or say anything. You needed that word about that kick because it kicked this morning. Amen. To, to the Lord be all glory. Leanne, if you would come up, please. To the one who can't sense you, you remind them that you are here. Said the Lord is nigh unto all who call upon him. To all who call upon him in truth. The Lord wants you to know that he's near you. Right beside, not only in us. How near can you be? How much nearer can you be than inside of someone? In them. He is in us. His spirit is in us. Sometimes I do little spiritual exercises when I'm struggling, which I, one of my weaknesses, idiosyncrasies, infirmities, if you will, just, just immaturities, is that I get discouraged. And people think my problem is lack of faith, and it's that, no, my problem is faith. I believe that things should work as God told me they would work, and I, I feel like he's not here. But then the word tells me, I'm nigh you. I'm inside of you. I'm with you. Stay with me here just a moment longer. To the empty and longing soul, God will not leave you barren. I just covered this. It says in verse 19, He's going to fulfill the desire. He's going to satisfy. That's the problem for us. We can't imagine being satisfied because the longing is so deep. The void is so real. The wait has been so long. There's part of me that wishes I had recorded it and another part that it's too precious for anybody else to see. And I hope it's okay just to share this. On the day that it was final, final that our girls were ours, Elisha had not been born yet. We're standing in the off office of Judge uh, Tripp Self, a friend of mine. And I said, Judge, may I ask you something? And I was asking for her. I said, is there anything that we can do in this lifetime that will make them more ours today than they are? And he said, nope. And I said, Kelly, would, would, would you pray? And I mean, it's hard to explain. Grandma knows. My wife, when we got our girls, bloomed overnight. She forever changed. And she prayed one of the simplest, most authentic prayers that I've ever heard. So intimate. And please don't think I'm being crass. It almost felt like you walked in on someone's bedroom. And she said, God, and I'm going to give you just the one line that stood out. She said, God, I could not be more satisfied. My cup runs over. And you got to believe that God is going to satisfy. Satisfied means I'm so okay, I don't need nothing else. Two more very quickly. To the one going under, God is coming to rescue you. 
He said, I will hear your cry and I will save you. But I'm going under. Well, you got to be going under for him to rescue you. He's a rescuer of those that go under, those that can't stand. To the one who can't see a way out, God is keeping you while you are in it. It said the Lord preserves all who love him. He has kept you in it through the dark nights, the bright days. He's kept you through your, your ignorant teens, your mischievous 20s, your sluggish 30s. He's kept you. He said, I'm going to preserve you until my glorious kingdom. He that began the good work in you is going to finish it. I'm preserving you. You've messed up a whole bunch, but I'm preserving you. See, you're going to make it not through effort. You're going to make it because I'm going to carry you to the end. So now all that's left is this. If David's word was for you, then you have to open your mouth. You have to stand on top of where you are, stand as who you are, and tell the Lord, I praise your great name. And this is what I'd like if you'll do this. I want them to sing through one verse of this. And when it gets to the chorus, no hesitation. I want you to stand before the Lord at this altar and as high as you can get your hands up there, I want you to lift them unto God and sing along in your heart with this. Listen to these words. For the strength in my need For the arms that stand me I will sing Your holy Lord And for He is. 
Okay, I want you to just to listen with your hands raised. I want you to let the words of this verse just digest them, inhale them. And then when it gets to the chorus, I want you to sing with your whole heart. I praise you right here, the great God that you are. Listen to these words. For the strength in my need, and for the arms and the steady. just one moment all of heaven I believe the angels that are sent forth to minister the heirs of salvation God his spirit they listen they listen they watch the enemy right now have his way the prince of the power the prince and the power of the air our adversary seeks whom he may devour and he's kicking Daddy's in the gut and he's knocking mothers down. And he, but he's listening. He's listening. And if he can get you to whimper uh, doubts and unbelief, he kicks all the harder. What would you do if you were a demonic power? Kicked you right in the gut and you said, Praise the great name of my God. And he's like, wait, wait, wait now. And he kicks you again. You go, I mean... Praise the name of my God. He's tipping out. He ain't scared of me. But the lion of the tribe of Judah, he don't want none of him. God is with you. God is for you. And God will perfect that which concerns you. So all during the day, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Thank the Lord. Be as honest as you can. I can't see you doing nothing, but I know you're doing everything. So I thank you where I'm at. And glory fills that moment. David wanted you to know. Hallelujah. That's what he said. Hallelujah. You're the, do you not know who you are? You're the people of God. No good thing will he withhold from those that walk upright. You might have had a bad chapter. You might have had two bad chapters, but you have a glorious book. One more time, guys, just the chorus. Praise God. Praise God. 
thoughts and we'll dismiss you to go home. And whatever your stand on Christmas is, uh, you know, that's fine. Just look at the parallel. When a child believes, it alters their behavior. You have to remind them, but it alters it. It's straightened up. It alters uh, their expectation. And I've never heard one speak a bad word about Santa. Now, when we as children, we're not believing in a fictitious character. We're believing in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And He knows when we sleep. He knows when we're, He listens to our words. And He said, look at John. Look at, look, look at Jason. Got it beat out of him this week. And he came this morning and said, I will bless the Lord. His praise will continually be in my mouth. And then God just says, it's time. Sis, it's time. It's coming soon, soon, soon. So in the name of Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn among all the living, to the exceeding great and glorious God, the great shepherd of your soul, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he would repent. Hath he spoken something to you? He will surely bring it to pass. Because God is faithful. He will establish you and keep you from all evil. And that thing that hits you, it's not greater than you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you today.